Despite 70 years of history, organization development remains somewhat elusive, nebulous to those outside the discipline. Part of the reason for this is due to the highly diverse interdisciplinary underpinnings that shaped and informed its development, with framing disciplines as varied from anthropology to social psychology to innovation to learning and development. Indeed, simply understanding the scope and purpose of OD can be challenging. Hence, in today's episode, we look to demystify organization development by addressing the question, what is organization development head-on? In this episode, you will learn the historical and contemporary definition of OD. You will learn the purpose, the objectives, and scope of OD work. You'll get a brief history of OD from the 1940s all the way through to the present. I'll share three different forms of OD, diagnostic OD, dialogic OD, and hybrid OD. And lastly, we'll look at the persona of an OD practitioner in terms of their demeanor, roles and responsibilities, and knowledge, skills, and capabilities. So if you're ready, let's begin. Welcome to another episode of All Things OD, where I'm here to help you offer more, be more, and live more. Whether you're serving as an OD practitioner, change management professional, or business transformation consultant. I'm your host, Randall Scott, and it's great to be with you here today. As mentioned in today's episode, we're going to discuss what is organization development. We'll look at its history, the purpose, objectives, and scope of OD work. I'll share some real-life examples of what OD work looks like, and I'll also highlight three of the leading forms of OD practice today, which is diagnostic, dialogic, and hybrid OD. And lastly, we'll look at the persona of an OD practitioner in terms of their demeanor, the roles and responsibilities, and the knowledge, skills, and capabilities that they possess. Now, before we begin, I want to offer you a free resource that complements and extends our discussion today. And that is a free copy of our ebook on Hybrid OD, The Emerging Future of Organization Development. If you've been curious about the integrative power of leveraging both diagnostic and dialogic forms of OD in your work, then this ebook is for you. You can obtain the free ebook at henosispartners.com slash hybrid OD, or if you're watching on YouTube, you can click on the link in the description below. All right, let's jump in. We begin our exploration of organization development by first defining what it is. One of the earliest definitions of organization development comes from Richard Beckard, who in 1969 stated that organization development is, number one, an effort which is planned, that it is organization-wide, that it is managed from the top, that its purpose is to increase organizational effectiveness in health, and that interventions are done into an organization's processes using behavioral science knowledge. A more contemporary definition comes from Donald Anderson in 2020, who stated that organization development is the process of increasing organizational effectiveness and facilitating personal and organizational change 
through the use of interventions driven by social and behavioral science knowledge. Now, when you compare the two definitions, there are some notable differences. When we look at the more contemporary definition, we notice that there are certain words that don't exist, like planned, organization-wide, and managed from the top. And we see new words added, such as facilitating, personal and organizational change, and social constructionism. These differences reflect a shift in how we think about organizational development today. They reflect an acknowledgement that change doesn't necessarily have to be planned, that it doesn't necessarily need to be organization-wide, and it certainly doesn't need to be managed from the top. These differences also reflect an acknowledgement that the role of an OD practitioner is to facilitate change, and that change can occur both organization-wide and at an individual or personal level. And it also reflects acknowledgement that within organizations, our realities are socially constructed. All right, having provided both contemporary and traditional definitions of what organization development is, let's dive deeper to understand its purpose and objectives. So the purpose of OD is to initiate and facilitate individual and organizational change. Now, this purpose might seem a bit lightweight or incomplete, but fundamentally, this is what OD work is all about, to initiate and facilitate both individual and organizational change. And the objectives of organization development are first to make an organization more effective, more productive. And there are a number of ways to define that, such as improving the customer experience or improving employee engagement. It could be about lowering operational costs or improving product or service quality. We also leverage OD to help improve collaboration across departments and units or to improve the cycle time to maybe perhaps bring a new product to market. NOD is often used to help improve organizational alignment with corporate strategy. So one of the chief aims of organization development as a discipline, as work, is to make an organization more effective and productive. In addition to that, we would say that another objective of OD work is to make work more satisfying at an individual level. And this specific objective is focused on employee engagement or worker engagement, happiness, and personal growth. Now, one of the points of confusion with organization development, or OD, is what is the difference between OD and organizational design? Similarly, there's also confusion of what is the difference between OD and organizational change. So let me provide some clarifying remarks on both of these points of confusion. We've established earlier that OD is about organizational change. Organization design is one manifestation of organizational change. And so when you think of organization design, think of it as just one of the many ways that we might employ organization development work. And when we talk about the difference between organizational development and organizational change or change management, although there is some debate in the field, I personally view these disciplines as largely being the same. OD is about organizational change and organizational change or change management is another way simply to characterize OD work. Now, another way to define organization development is to consider its foundations, its origins. It's important to know that organization development is a highly interdisciplinary field representing an amalgamation of several synergistic, interdependent intellectual disciplines. Disciplines such as social psychology, HR management, sociology, change management, innovation, research and design learning and development, 
and even anthropology. And in a way, these just scratched the surface in terms of the intellectual disciplines that influenced and shaped organization development as it is today. Yet another way to define or characterize organization development is the scope of its work. And the scope of OD work can be at individual level, team group level, or enterprise level. So at individual level, the OD work would reflect conducting assessments or surveys, performing some inner work, both of oneself and helping others, and training and capability development. At team group level, the OD work might reflect resolving cross-functional issues or providing team effectiveness coaching or providing training to improve collaboration and cross-sharing of information across departments and units. And at enterprise level, here we're talking about cultural transformation, mergers and acquisitions integration work, leadership coaching and training, perhaps facility redesign, and operating model redesign to implement a new corporate strategy. Oftentimes, you might be performing all three levels of change at the same time, individual level change, team group level change, and enterprise level change. Now, one of the more interesting things about organization development is that it has a long history to it, ranging from the 1940s all the way up to the present. Organizational development as a discipline, as a practice, began in the 1940s with the introduction of laboratory training and T-groups, or training groups, as it was referred to. And these early OD themes continue to influence OD work today in terms of small group research, leadership styles, and team building. In the 1950s, we saw the introduction of action research studies, survey feedback, and socio-technical systems development work. And these OD themes continue to influence how we approach employee surveys, organization development processes, and socio-technical systems theory and design. In the 1960s, we saw the emergence of management practices, which continue to influence how we approach participative management today. In the 1970s, we saw the introduction of quality in employee involvement, and this OD theme influenced quality programs such as Total Quality Management, or TQM, Six Sigma, and managed or employee-directed teams. In the 1980s, we saw the rise of organizational culture as an interest and discipline, which continues to influence culture work today, specifically in mergers and acquisitions. And across the 1980s and 1990s, we saw the rise of change management as a discipline, strategic change, and re-engineering emerge. And these OD themes continue to influence systems theory, large-scale and whole organization interventions. In the 1990s, we saw the rise of organizational learning, largely due to the popular book The Fifth Discipline by Peter Senge. And organizational learning continues to be popular today. In the 2000s, we saw the rise of organizational effectiveness and employee engagement, which is also a contemporary theme of organization development work today. And from the 2010s up to the present, we see a new organization development theme emerge around agility and collaboration. And these themes are reflected in both dialogic OD and hybrid OD as methodologies to bring about large-scale transformational change. So unlike other disciplines, organization development has a long, rich history to it, and it has evolved over the years to address both internal and external environmental changes. All right, so what are some real-life examples of organization development work? Well, at enterprise level, OD work might reflect the following. Helping redesign an operating model to adapt and respond to changing external conditions. We might be helping leadership draft a new mission, vision, and value statements, 
we might be conducting scenario planning exercises to adapt to multiple potential futures. We might be launching broad cultural change campaigns or redesigning performance management systems. Our work may involve integrating a recent acquisition to align with an acquiring organization's practices. We may be helping with facility redesign to increase and enable collaboration and innovation. Our work might reflect a large-scale business transformation that's enterprise-wide. And we're often asked to lead or participate in diversity-based interventions. At team group level, organization development work might reflect the following. Might reflect improving working conditions and culture of a particular department. It might involve designing and facilitating large group process work in support of a specific goal. We might find ourselves engaged in a process redesign and improvement effort, either to improve departmental processes or a broader end-to-end -end process. And we might be brought in to help provide training and development of staff. And at individual level, organization development work might involve helping increase staff engagement and improvement or to design and conduct leadership training. As you can see, there is a lot of variety in terms of what an organizational development practitioner can do and is often asked to do to help the organization bring about transformational change. All right, now that we've defined what organization development is, Let's understand the three major forms of OD, beginning with understanding what is diagnostic organization development. So we begin with defining the terms that make up the phrase diagnostic OD. Diagnostic means to identify, distinguish, and or otherwise characterize a distinctive symptom. It's the practice or techniques of diagnosis, as in diagnosing the source of your illness, or diagnosing the reason for your car making some engine noise, or diagnosing the cause of an organizational conflict. Yet another definition of organization development is the study and implementation of practices, systems, and techniques that affect organizational change, the goal of which is to modify an organization's performance and or culture. And so together then, we can say that diagnostic OD is the study of an organization's performance and or culture to identify, distinguish, and or otherwise characterize certain practices, systems, and techniques to affect change and improve performance. All right, so now that we've defined what diagnostic OD is, let's penetrate a bit further to understand its history. So diagnostic OD originated during the time period of the 1940s to the 1960s and is the dominant form of OD practice today. Kurt Lewin is widely regarded as the founder of organization development and is famous for the unfreeze, change, refreeze, change model, the action research method to conducting research, and the group dynamics approach to study real-world social issues. Diagnostic OD is often characterized or framed as planned change, whereby change itself is thought of and executed in a rational, linear process and where it is believed reality can be objectively derived. As a planned change effort, such efforts typically originate top-down and are largely expert or practitioner-driven. That is, diagnostic OD work largely pivots around the efforts of the OD practitioner. And diagnostic OD work principally focuses on changing behaviors versus changing mindsets to bring forth change. 
Next, we consider the underlying philosophy that has shaped and informed diagnostic OD. And diagnostic OD is often characterized as a doctor-patient model, where the OD practitioner is the doctor and the organization is the patient. This reflects a machine-age orientation whereby the organization is somehow broken and needs to be fixed. Another underlying philosophy of diagnostic OD is the belief that reality can be objectively derived by an expert practitioner through observation and analysis alone. And the role of the OD practitioner is to serve as an expert, a consultant, and advisor to the organization to help bring about meaningful change. Now, there are a number of tools that one can use when performing diagnostic OD work, such as data collection and document harvesting, conducting action research studies, performing a systems analysis, or conducting a benchmarking study. Distributing and collecting survey feedback is often a very common diagnostic OD tool. Conducting SWOT or steep analyses. Conducting focus groups or general assessments. And diagnostic OD work often culminates in identifying interventions and then later executing those interventions as project manager. Now, there is a basic diagnostic OD pattern when it comes to solving organizational challenges. And the pattern begins by first clarifying the problem or challenge or the presenting issue. From there, we scope the effort in terms of its system boundaries. Then we gather the facts and collect data, leveraging the tools we just discussed, such as staff interviews, surveys, focus groups, and so forth. Next, we perform a diagnosis, a systems analysis of the area in question looking specifically at the elements of the system that we can possibly change and doing this relative to a known ideal or standard. Then we prepare a key findings report and share with leadership the gaps between current state and ideal with a proposed list of interventions to close the gaps. Next, we develop a transformation roadmap, including a change management plan, highlighting the sequence of interventions to improve performance. And finally, we implement the approved recommendations and evaluate the efficacy of the interventions to solve the problem. Now, as with all methodologies, there are some pros and cons to them. When considering diagnostic OD, some of the pros for leveraging diagnostic OD is that it's a data-based approach to identifying opportunities for improvement in a system, again, relative to a known or established standard or ideal. Another pro is that it's a well-established field of practice grounded in academic theory and rigor with several thousand practitioners worldwide skilled in use of the method. And as a well-established practice, leadership is more familiar with and therefore more accepting of this change method. And finally, diagnostic OD does catalyze change in a system, even if temporary. Now, some of the cons with diagnostic OD is that it's ill-suited to address the contemporary challenges of increased complexity and growing uncertainty and the effects that both have on organizational performance. Another con is that there's greater resistance to change when leveraging diagnostic OD practices due to a lack of proper engagement of staff in both defining the problem and how best to solve it, and therefore the long-term sustainability or stickiness of the solution often suffers. And last, cognitive bias can and does skew diagnostic findings. OD practitioners, like all practitioners, introduce bias into their work. Hence, it is impossible to be fully objective when conducting diagnostic OD work, presenting findings, and offering recommendations. Practitioners are often unaware 
that such biases exist, which further compounds the problem. Next, we discuss what is dialogic organization development, and we begin by first discussing the terms that make up the phrase dialogic OD. Dialogic means of, or relating to, or characterized by dialogue. It is communication presented in the form of dialogue versus a debate or discussion. Organization development, as we learned earlier, is the study and implementation of practices, systems, and techniques that affect organizational change, the goal of which is to modify an organization's performance and or culture. And so together then, Dialogic OD is the study of an organization's performance and or culture through dialogic means to identify, distinguish, and or otherwise characterize certain practices, systems, and techniques to affect change and improve performance. So what is the history of Dialogic OD? Well, in contrast to Diagnostic OD, Dialogic OD reflects an emergent, nonlinear process of change, whereby reality, and therefore change itself, is viewed as socially constructed, moment-to-moment, interaction-to-interaction, and person-to-person. As such, Dialogic OD focuses indirectly on changing mindsets versus trying to change behaviors to bring forth transformative change. Dialogic OD can trace its beginnings to the 1980s with the emergence of dialogic-based methods like open space technology and appreciative inquiry. Now that being said, it can be argued the dialogic form has actually been around for thousands of years, as dialogue and use of ancient circle gathering and tribal communication practices have been used for several millennia. In addition to appreciative inquiry and open space triggering the rise of dialogic OD, there are other notable contributing factors, such as an increased awareness and rise of the dialogic method itself due to publication of several influential books on dialogue, such as On Dialogue by David Bohm, Dialogue and the Art of Thinking Together by William Isaacs, Dialogue Rediscover the Transforming Power of Conversation by Eleanor and Gerard, and The Magic of Dialogue by Yankovich. There's also been an increased willingness of organizations to address, consider, and acknowledge the softer side of organizational life as an indirect way to bring about change. There's also been a proliferation of additional inquiry or participatory-based change methods, such as the World Cafe, the Circle Method, Future Search, and the Conference Model. If you're interested in learning more about these various inquiry or participatory-based methods, I would encourage you to read the Change Handbook by Peggy Holman, which has over 50 methods highlighted. Further, we've seen an elevated consciousness of humanity generally, and opening up to wanting and being more authentic has occurred. A steady melding of the head, heart, and hands in both our personal and professional lives. Now, some of the underlying philosophy that has shaped and informed dialogic OD is the belief that reality is socially constructed through interactions, moment-to-moment and person-to-person, that deriving objective reality is not possible due to several cognitive biases of the observer. Another underlying philosophy of dialogic OD is the complexity sciences, the existence of complex adaptive systems, and how we can leverage complexity to create the conditions for transformative change to occur. And the role of the OD practitioner when performing dialogic OD work is to serve more as a convener, a host, a facilitator of change. Now, in stark contrast to the diagnostic OD method, 
Dialogic OD leverages a completely different set of tools, such as narrative and story harvesting, also referred to as participatory narrative inquiry. Other tools include container building, or creating the conditions for change by leveraging complexity. We leverage various dialogic methods, such as open space, world cafe, and the circle method. We design innovation sequences, or generative change events. Generative dialogue and storytelling is often a common technique or tool to use when performing dialogic OD. Other tools include active listening and strategic questioning. Engaging in inner work is a common tool in dialogic OD where we're looking to increase the self-awareness of our thinking while also trying to reduce the effects of our limiting beliefs and cognitive biases. Dialogic OD practitioners also leverage large group facilitation and hosting is also a common dialogic OD tool. And lastly, leadership, team, and individual coaching. And so as you can see, when we perform dialogic OD work, it requires a different set of tools than when performing diagnostic OD work. Now, similar to diagnostic OD, dialogic OD has its own pattern to solve organizational challenges. The first thing we do is to clarify the adaptive challenge, problem, or opportunity. And unlike diagnostic OD, which often is leveraged to solve a technical challenge, Dialogic OD is often leveraged to solve a complex adaptive challenge. Once we've clarified the adaptive challenge, problem, or opportunity, we then scope the effort in terms of system boundaries. From there, we identify the system actors, the key internal and external stakeholders who can speak to both the issue, challenge, or problem in the system and how best to resolve it. We then look to bring the system into the room for dialogue via a structured inquiry-based participatory event. And we do this to enable creating a shared understanding of the issues and later a shared intention on how best to resolve the issues. Next, we identify the strategic options, aka the high leverage interventions, and self-organize in a follow the energy way to bring forth the new. And finally, we implement change via introducing probes or small-scale safe-to-fail experiments conducted as either one-off exercises or as part of a longer-term process and or platform. This represents a learning-by-doing approach. All right, so what are the pros and cons of dialogic OD? Well, one of the pros is that it approaches problem-solving at a structural level both internal and external structure. And it does this by attempting to create the conditions to increase one's self-awareness, while also trying to alter mindsets to catalyze new behaviors and therefore better outcomes. Another pro is that it exposes mental models and cognitive biases for challenge, self-reflection, and possible revision. There's also an emphasis on collecting and sharing narratives, stories, and perspectives to create a shared understanding of the issue or challenge. And in doing this, it creates an opening for people to be vulnerable with one another, to be empathetic with one another. And such understanding and vulnerability leads naturally to establishing a shared intention of what to do to resolve the issue and later aligned actions on how to do it. Now, some of the cons with Dialogic OD is that there's a lack of expertise and skill amongst OD practitioners generally in facilitating and leading dialogic work. There's a limited ability of OD practitioners to negotiate a collective leadership amongst several diverse others to solve complex adaptive challenges. 
Another con is that there is a general perception amongst business leaders that dialogic work is soft, weak, or otherwise not real work, and therefore a waste of time. That to engage in such activity introduces needless delay to performing the real work. And finally, dialogic OD is more demanding work. It does require greater skill of the OD practitioner, from convening the right team, to designing a dialogic event, to creating an effective container with the right conditions, to educating and rallying leadership support to nurture and amplify self-organized initiatives. All right, now that we've talked about diagnostic OD and dialogic OD, let's discuss the case for integrating diagnostic and dialogic OD together in the form of a hybrid version of OD. So what is the case for integrating diagnostic and dialogic OD? Well, to begin with, we are operating in tuna-like conditions today, and such conditions demand a method and a set of tools that are suited for the times. Diagnostic OD, on its own, has sadly outlived its usefulness. Organizations are too complex for any one person or expert to understand the significant and often hidden cause and effect linkages to be effective with introducing diagnostic-driven interventions alone. Organizations need a better way to approach systemic-level change that is more inquiry or conversation-based, more experiential-based, emergence-oriented, foresight-driven, and holistic or inclusive of all the parts. Another case for integrating diagnostic and dialogic OD is to address the cons that are inherent with leveraging either method alone in isolation. There is a need for diagnostic work to expose difference, and there's a need for dialogic work to leverage difference. Both methods are necessary to create a shared understanding, a shared intention, and aligned actions amongst diverse others when solving for a complex adaptive challenge. Another case for integrating diagnostic and dialogic OD is that there's an ever-increasing number of interconnections, interdependencies that exist between nations, organizations, teams, and individuals. And with greater connections and dependencies comes greater complexity and turbulence, two conditions that an integrated OD approach is uniquely suited to address. Additionally, there's a growing awareness that the inner and outer dimensions are connected. Hence, it is not enough to approach problem-solving in a purely rational, objective manner. To be effective, it also requires addressing the inner dimension, performing inner work to affect outer. And finally, Dialogic OD does a good job of extending and amplifying the impact and relevance of diagnostic OD work. This phenomenon was highlighted in a 2022 paper by Hastings and Schwartz called Leading Change Processes for Success, where they detail how diagnostic work followed by dialogic work resulted in greater overall success than performing either diagnostic work or dialogic work alone. So how can we integrate diagnostic and dialogic OD to form a more powerful, accretive problem-solving methodology? Well, we do that by bringing the best of diagnostic OD and pairing it with the best of dialogic OD, and we call that integration hybrid OD which represents the emerging future of organization development. And with hybrid OD, we integrate diagnostic, dialogic, and experiential OD methods, tools, and techniques to solve our most intractable organizational challenges. As mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you can visit hypnosispartners.com slash hybrid OD to get a free copy of our ebook on hybrid OD. 
All right, now that we've defined what organization development is, including discussing the three major forms of OD, let's understand better what is the persona of an OD practitioner. We begin by discussing the demeanor or profile of an OD practitioner. And an OD practitioner is reflective of many things. They are empathetic, curious, patient, self-aware, humble. They're social, inquisitive, detail-oriented, optimistic, and caring individuals. The OD practitioner's role and responsibilities includes designing and leading change initiatives, providing leadership, team, and individual coaching, providing organizational change thought leadership. They facilitate strategic conversations, and they host and facilitate a variety of change workshops. And finally, an OD practitioner reflects broad knowledge, skills, and capabilities, such as deep listening and strategic questioning, workshop design and facilitation, process, quality, and performance improvement, organizational design and change, and expertise in agile in the iterative method. Just as organization development as a discipline or field can be characterized many ways, so too can an OD practitioner be characterized in many ways. Serving as an OD practitioner is rewarding work. Performing organization development work is a rewarding profession to be in. I'll conclude this episode by stating that in a 2018 World Economic Forum report on the future of jobs, they made special mention of the increasing influence of the field of organizational development as a job of the future. And although organization development as a practice, as a discipline, will evolve over time, and therefore the role of an OD practitioner evolve over time, organization development is here, and it is here to stay. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you found the content in this episode helpful. Please share your comments below, and if you like this video, hit the subscribe button and click the bell to get notified of all future weekly episodes. Also, don't forget to get your free resource. If you're watching on YouTube, click the link below in the description or visit henosispartners.com hybridod. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.